I'm Anya Katz, and you're listening to A Millennial's Guide to Saving the World. I started this podcast because I was tired of being stereotyped as lazy, triggered, and entitled. I wanted to give voice to a different kind of millennial and invite us to write a new story. One of a generation willing to challenge the status quo, embrace nuance and paradox, and reject PC culture. This podcast isn't about finding answers. It's about asking the right questions. How can we reinvent ourselves and the narratives we've been expected to inherit? How can we take ownership over the ways we participate in our own suffering? How can we move beyond victimization and into empowerment? How can we fix ourselves to fix the world? It's time for new dreams, new stories, and new futures. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show, or welcome for the first time if you're new. If you are new, this is a great episode to start on. Uh, Today, Chris Ryan comes back to the show for the second time, and we had a very specific conversation this time. Um, If you didn't hear his Roma that he posted on his own podcast, Tangentially Speaking, uh, he did a little bit of a review slash response slash sharing of thoughts um, about the book, The Way of the Superior Man. And I had a lot of thoughts on this book as well. um, And I thought it would be a good idea to have a discussion between a man and a woman about this topic. And I think we need to have discussions between men and women uh, much more often about everything. Um, So I wanted to kind of walk the talk with this one and, and really engage in a, a conversation that's extremely nuanced and, um, yeah, deserves multiple perspectives. So, uh, not going to record a long intro today, just going to get right into the conversation. I do want to mention though, um, there are still six, yes, six spots left in the lunar circle for March. Um, if you are unfamiliar with what I'm talking about, head on over to my website, anyacotts.com slash lunar circle. I am teaching a month-long astrology workshop for 17 of you. We are in the middle of the first one, and I'm starting a second one in March, and there are six spots left. We start March 12th, so um, really just about a week or 10 days more to sign up. And uh, yeah, if you are a patron or you're interested in becoming a patron, I am super stoked about our new Discord server, Um, really amazed and just so impressed with this community on a daily basis. And I'm so grateful to be able to share space with all of you, whether that space is in person or in the digital realm. Um, If you would like to get to know other listeners and engage in some really amazing conversations and um, meet each other in safe, COVID-friendly ways, um, sign up for Patreon, patreon.com slash Anya Kotz, and you'll see the different levels and all the different perks that come with it. Oh, and also, uh, Chris and I actually recorded a video version of this conversation. So if you would like to watch the live video, um, that is also available for all patrons. So patreon.com slash Anya Kotz. And there are so many perks on Patreon at this point that I like never can remember all of them. <laughs> so <laughs> if you just head over there, you can read the whole list. That's all today. I am going to leave a song just for the end, so heading right into the discussion. I hope you enjoy it. Always welcome feedback, thoughts, questions, concerns. Send me an email, anyakots at gmail.com. 
and I'll catch you on the other end. Love you guys. Are we on? We're live? We're live. So today we're doing a very unique, well not very unique, but somewhat unique episode of A Millennial's Guide to Saving the World um, with everyone's favorite uncle. Hi. <laughs> hey Chris. I'm a, an honorary millennial today. Yeah. All right. Although you're managing all of this fancy shit, so I feel like you're kind of more millennial, millennial-like than me. Yeah. I don't think there's room for my chair here. I can move your, a little bit. Your wheel is... All right. Yeah. Damn, let's see. Damn wheel. Can, can I be here? Let's see. How's that? All right. <clears throat> all right. So I'm going to look at you. So <laughs> is my profile horrible? No. I, I've never seen myself from the side. No, it's fine. All right. Um, yeah, so today I wanted to have Chris on the show to sort of do a part two to an episode he did on his show about, um, the book, The Way of the Superior Man. And, um, I, I guess I wanted to talk about this because I feel like I talk about masculine and feminine and spirituality and polarity and all these things that David Daida, um, talks about. And I hadn't read his book before and I thought like, Maybe it was just a little too, the reason I didn't really read it was because I, what I'd heard was like, it was a little too spiritual and woo woo and just like, it didn't really seem like my thing, but then you started reading it and started reading me passages from it. And it was only, it was not just not my thing. I actually was like kind of horrified by it. Um, and I feel like I wonder how many people think what I talk about <laughs> in terms of masculine and feminine and polarity, like they think that it's aligned with what he's talking about. And I think mm, it's a lot more nuanced than that. Um, so I just sort of wanted to have that kind of a nuanced discussion. And I think another big problem with these books is that they, or books like this, is that there isn't like a dialogue between a man and a woman or a dialogue between, let's say, masculine and feminine. And I think that's a big issue in our times. I think there's a lot of like men are from Mars, women are from Venus shit going on. Like Aaron and I on Horror just talked about how sex ed was hosted separately for men and for girls and boys. And to me, this is like the adult version of that. Mm. Um, it's like women are like this. And then like they take the women into another room and they're like, men mm. are like this, but you don't talk about it and don't converse. And I think that's part of the problem is that we have these assumptions about what women are, what men are. Um, separately uh, i'm not really in that frame am I? We're, we're, <laughs> we're, we're we're basically wait, podcasting the door push it away a little bit i mean if we have more distance yeah. it doesn't go back, I can back really. all right well yeah we're doing our best anyway so yeah the question of adult is interesting right because right. part of the the discomfort that i think you and i both had with the book was that it actually isn't very adult. Right. Which yeah. which is a reflection of what you're saying, that it's it's uh kind of um it, it's like a grown up version of a childish approach to things. Yes. Yeah. And I think it was interesting to read a lot of your feedback that people sent from it. And also I got a lot of feedback like as if people wanted to talk to me. You about got it. feedback <laughs> yeah. on what I said. I was messaged about your podcast. Right. Um, Doesn't seem fair. <laughs> but I think a lot of people, like what they... Sorry to interrupt yeah. you, but it just occurred to me that most people are listening to this on your podcast. They don't know that we're recording video, which is oh, why right. we're fidgeting around and right. 
talking about frames and things, yes, right? Yes, this is correct. We are recording video, and I don't exactly know what we're doing with it yet. We're going to leave it as bonus content somewhere right, on someone's channel. Okay, so if you're listening to this and you're like, what the hell is going on? That's what's going that's on. What's we're going recording this. We have this, this little square we're trying to fit both of ourselves into. Right. And we're both in office chairs with these weird rolling bases <laughs> and the wheels keep hitting each other. Yeah. So and Chris's like leg is on the desk. It's a very... Yeah. It's... it's, uh, <laughs> it's uh, anyway, sorry for all that distraction. We'll um, try to stop doing that. Yeah. So a, a lot of people in writing to me, a lot of the messages I saw were like, I feel like what he was doing was that a lot of us, and I think this is true, a lot of millennials at least, were raised in this very, like, men and women are the same kind of a thing, even though we had sex ed separately. But there wasn't a lot of education on the ways in which, like, female emotions versus male emotions might be different, or female desire versus male desire. Um, While we may have felt that it was different, we didn't really know what was different about it. And so I think this book might be doing one service, which is to say to men, like, hey, don't worry about it. Like, women are different from you. Um, And that's really important. But to me, that's like a kindergarten level type of lesson. Mm. Um, And it really did feel like to me that, like, I actually, like, what he was saying and the way that he said it, like, if that's all it's doing, if it's just sort of illuminating for men or illuminating for women, I assume in his other book, that, like, men and women may operate differently, then fine. But that's just not the full picture. Like you can't, it's just like, like I said earlier, like I feel like this is like relationships 0.1 or something. Um, and it doesn't take it a step farther than that. So what we like, let's start with the pro with a co- uh, positives, right? Yeah. So what we, or at least what I agreed with at the beginning of the book was this, he sort of was saying like, look dudes, cause it's written for men. Yeah. Um, And he's saying, you know, you need to work out your shit. You need to know who you are. You need to know what your purpose in life is. Uh, You know, your path, your mission, whatever. I don't remember what metaphor he uses. And then you need to stick to that. Yeah. And that actually needs to be the most important thing in your life. More important than your relationships. Right. And... I agree with that. 100%. Me too. Um, And I think that there is a sense in which um, women prioritize relationships more highly than men do Mm. uh, in general. And that that is a fundamental difference between men and women. And, you know, we could talk about that in evolutionary terms. You know, women have been raising children forever and their safety is very much related to their relationships and their sort of community men's too. But you know, there is a heightened vulnerability when you're pregnant and breastfeeding and, you know, a significant part of women's lives have always been in a heightened state of vulnerability that Mm -hmm. most men don't experience. Um, at least not until they're old and feeble and people are bringing them food and stuff. Right. So, I do think there are fundamental differences between men and women, and I do think there's value in talking about them, although it's very dangerous these days because, you know, the whole woke culture says there is no difference. Right. Um, But we won't get into that. (laughs) Um, So I think that's important. And I think it's also important that he says to men, like, hey, you need to 
be aligned with yourself and start your relationship with women from that place. Yeah. And I think one of the major problems that people have in relationships is, and it's totally understandable, right? That we are learning how to relate to people while we're in relationships. Right. But we don't sort of say, you know, I don't know, it's like learning to drive. You don't learn to drive in a new, fancy, very expensive car, right? right? You learn to drive in an old clunker. And so ideally, your early relationships in life, you sort of expect you're going to dent and scratch and, you know, you're going to, you're going to make mistakes. Right. And now some people like my parents, their, their first relationship, they drove that thing right through their entire lives and that worked out for them. But I think in most cases it doesn't yeah. because you don't know what the hell you're doing. Right. So I don't remember where I started. <laughs> you this. were saying how like that what we part of what we agreed with about the book was that men need to come into a relationship like with a basis of self which right. i would also say is exactly the same for women i exactly. mean we can apply this in both directions. so basically what he's saying is like you need to be mature in order to have a mature relationship right which is true right I, but i think the difference and maybe this is what yeah. you're about to get into is that i feel like he says this for men but not for women and what he basically the message for men is like you're the adult in this relationship right. and you need to manage your flighty, silly, emotional, dramatic, right. uh, difficult, immature woman right. in order for this relationship to work. Right. I loved that you described it this morning as a parenting book because that is very much sort of what it felt like. Well, can you... I read that yeah. that section that you were talking about this morning. Mm. There was, I mean, it was a prime example. Okay. The feminine always seems chaotic and complicated from the perspective of the masculine. The next time you notice yourself trying to fix your woman so that she will no longer feel fill in the blank, relax and give her love by touching her and telling her that you love her uh, when she is this way. Embrace her or wrestle with her or scream and yell for the heck of it. But make no effort to bring an end to that which pisses you off. Practice love instead of trying to bring an end to the quality that bothers you. You can't escape the tussle with the feminine. Learn to find humor in the unending emotional drama the feminine seems to enjoy so much. So how <laughs> would you feel if you were in a relationship with a man and you were upset about something yeah. and he thought it was funny? I have been. I mean, and I think just to back up a little bit to your point in terms of coming to the relationship from a point of maturity and, and to some extent self-awareness, to me, this book, it's as if it stops there. It's like as if the man need not be further challenged in the relationship to a point where he realizes he needs to continue growing or the woman. It's like man and woman come together and then you just have to deal with each other. Mm. Um and I think that's where I really take issue with it because it's like, but where's the growth in the relationship? And I don't think the growth is in man coddling woman. Like, where's the, I mean, sure, yes, men should be loving even when like their partner of any gender or um, experiences some sort of like intense emotional fit. But if you can't engage on any kind of a rational level, you can't have a discussion about it, or the man is unable to experience his emotional body, then, like, what are we doing in the relationship? To me, that's just, like, 
you know, we want to fuck, so, like, be mature, grow up, get into a relationship, and then basically, like, just close your eyes and deal. There's no further growth. Right. Which is the opposite of what a mature relationship is. It's a vehicle for growth for both parties. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and in terms of how I would feel about that, like, I do recognize that there are times when I get into an emotional state, a hormonal state, or like a PMSE state, and I don't even think mine are that serious, but certainly where men are like, what the fuck is going on? Like, they just don't have the experience or the the inner experience to understand what's, what's happening for me. But to me, I would much rather sit someone sit down and like either one, express curiosity and ask questions about it, um, and also it's not a very pleasant state to be in as a woman. Like, I don't like to be emotionally unhinged and like freaking out. That's not, that doesn't feel good. So while of course I would want a man to be like, I love you. Let's talk about this and sit down. Like, I'll be here for you. I'm not going to walk out and slam the door. Like, that's an important lesson that I guess David Dida is talking about. Um, but I want to, yeah, like, sometimes I want to be held, sometimes I want to be engaged with, like, I want to talk about it. I want to understand why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling, you know? I don't want to just, like, sit there in a pool of emotions all the time. Like, my inner masculine wants to understand. Is there a why? For the emotions? In, in that sort of hormonal state. Well, I think this is so varied. I mean, there are sometimes it's like I'm PMSing, my PMS is expressed and just like a lot of things make me cry, right? So my my emotions are just heightened. So it's like I, you know, someone says something sweet to me and I'll cry about it. That I don't really need to like understand. What I feel like what David Dida is talking about, these situations where a woman goes crazy, to me that sounds like that woman's triggered. So she's experiencing something that isn't necessarily rational. She's having an emotional reaction to something in the current moment that might be related to, you know, her childhood, to past relationships, whatever. So in that case, fuck yeah, I want to understand why I'm experiencing that. Because I'd like very much not to. Like Right. So the conversation, there, there is a rational conversation to be had around what what triggered you uh and why it triggered you but there's not necessarily a rational conversation to be had around why you're more emotionally responsive now than you were a week ago yeah right 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 and and in that case those heightened emotional periods in a in a woman's cycle are like a clearer window into her emotional landscape. Right. So they can actually be used rather than being seen as like a, you know, just brush it off, find the humor in it, just right. give her a hug or jump and down, up and down and scream and yell for the hell of it or whatever. It's it, moving away from it. Not right. It's it. dismissive. Yeah. yeah. Whereas you could actually take this as an opportunity to really figure out, you know, what's happening because it's like in, Three weeks out of the month, you would have ignored this, but it still would have bothered you. Yeah. So this right. this week, you react right. to it in a way that's visible to both of us. Right. So we can explore it and learn something right. and deepen our totally. connection. Yeah. And so, I mean, sorry to interrupt you, but I wanted to say, like, I feel like the title, the way of the superior man, it, it cuts in different directions. 
And I think what really bothers me about this book is that the more I read, the more I got the sense that subconsciously he meant the man who is superior to the woman. I feel like there's a dismissive quality that permeates the book yeah. toward women that, well, I, that yeah. I think is the opposite of a healthy relationship with women. I agree. I mean, and I would like to read, like I, I'd be curious to see what his book for women about men are. Cause apparently I've also gotten this feedback that it was kind of similar. It was kind of dismissive of men, which is like, that doesn't make me feel better about the situation. <laughs> it makes me feel worse yeah. about it. Well, someone sent me, uh, a link to a video where he was talking yeah. and, and, uh, you know, I, I think the, the person sent it, sent this to me to counter my argument that it is, right. is uh, dismissive of women. Right. Because in this video, he's saying women are superior to men. He's answering an audience question. It's also like, and, I just, I hate. Right. Yeah. It's like, why? Th this that's, is not what we're doing. It's like trying to counter uh, racism by saying blacks are superior to whites. Yeah. It's like, that's the wrong fucking message. Right. We're it's separate, not, but equal. Okay. Right. Like, <laughs> how are we supposed to like resolve racism by, by sticking to this one is better than the other no. argument. It's, it's so, like, that's it's so not immature. resolution. And, and, you know, people responded to me by saying, Oh, you quoted them out of context. And he read the summaries or nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Um, but I mean, I did read the book, yeah. uh, and I quote him quite extensively. So let me just read this. This is the beginning of chapter 16, which is called Women Are Not Liars. And these are his summaries. These aren't my summaries. He wrote this. So in quotes, keeping your word, unquote, is a masculine trait in men or women. And we should we should point out when we're talking about this book that he does this thing where he's saying like, okay, well, I'm talking about feminine energy versus masculine energy, not necessarily men versus women. But then he he flips it. Like even in the thing you read, it's like feminine energy is like this, but women are always blah, blah. yeah. So it's like okay, right? I guess the basis is that. You know, it doesn't even matter, though, even if we say like masculinity right. keeps its word. <laughs> well, because, you know, the underlying premise is that women contain much more feminine energy than men yes, do, yes, even yes, though yes. we both contain right. some of both. both right? right. OK. Anyway, he says a person with a feminine essence. Yeah, so a woman, probably, or maybe, a you know, a gay man of a certain type or whatever. Yeah. Uh, may not keep her word, yet it is not exactly, quote, lying, unquote. In the feminine reality. So you bitches have a different reality. Yeah. Okay. Words and facts take second place to emotions and the shifting moods of relationship. When she says, I hate you, or I'll never move to Texas, or I don't want to go to the movies, it's often more a reflection of a transient feeling wave than a well-considered stance with respect to events and experience. On the other hand, the masculine means what it says. A man's word is his honor. The feminine says what it feels. A woman's word is her true expression in the moment. Now, again, there's some element 
of this that can be true. So, for example, if a woman is in a hormonal state, she might say something more... Exaggerated? Exaggerated yeah. than she would normally right. mean. But I don't think she would say something that's the opposite. opposite. Right. right. Which is what I was going to say, too. Like, So she might say, I'm never moving to Texas. She really doesn't want to move to Texas. She doesn't want to move yeah. to Texas. It's not that's like... That's not a fake thing. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah, and I think that's... I mean, at least from my experience, I feel like when I'm in a more emotional or hormonal state... I will express legitimate feelings that have always always existed, but it's like I almost it's like vom it's like word vomit. It's like I can't keep it. I can't the rational masculine side of me of like well like that doesn't play into it as much anymore. It's not as strong. So then I just like blab out something that I've been concealing and consuming and not expressing that could come out in something that seems a little too intense or a little too emotional or irrational. But I have never in my life experienced an expression like that or emotions or a, a feeling, a thought, a belief that was the opposite or different than how I always feel. Right. And in fact... Which, again, it's yeah. a window. Right. And in fact, like, I'm often grateful for the emotional outburst because oftentimes, like, I shouldn't actually be keeping that stuff in. I'm a... So, and this gets to the piece I think about unhealthy healthy versus healthy femininity like shadow versus healthy femininity right mm -hmm. and i think to me and like two books that i read that i think are far superior to this book about masculinity and femininity are he and she by robert johnson two separate books that engage mythology to explain or exemplify like the healthy embodied masculine and feminine and he talks about something really interesting, which is that, like, he talks about fits. Like, you have an emotional fit, right? It's like, you know, like a kid throws a fit, right? You, I've seen men throw fits, and I've seen women throw fits. To me, that's a very, like, external, unintegrated feminine expression. To me, like, an integrated feminine expression would be a calm expression of vulnerability. Like, I'm feeling really scared right now. Like, I feel afraid. I feel insecure. That's hard to do because it's extremely vulnerable, more so than, like, I'm freaking out right now and here are all my feelings. And, like, there's a wall there. But that's not integrated. Like, and that doesn't mean it's not okay. But to me, it feels like if we're looking at femininity, I'm doing air quotes for those who are just listening. If we look at femininity as emotional external fits, then we're not, one, giving the woman any opportunity to, like, embody her healthy femininity, and we're not giving men the opportunity either, because, of course, men and women, it's like, let's think about yin and yang, like, there's a little black dot and a white dot in each of them, we both contain both energy, everyone contains all these, en both of these energies, um, and I think... I've experienced a lot of the time that when a man is unintegrated in his own feminine, which means he's a little bit out of touch with his emotionality, he's afraid of being vulnerable, he's pretty walled off, that he projects his femininity onto women as like, you're a witch. You're like in the coven, you're doing this crazy woman thing, this is a crazy woman thing, like I need not engage here. And that's not just hurting the woman, but that's hurting himself as well. Um, and I think that's where, like, 
If men are looking at femininity or emotions as this crazy, irrational thing, like, how can you possibly engage with your own emotions? Right. Like, I just don't think... Because you've otherized a part of yourself. Yes, yes, exactly. Not just half yes. the human population. Yes. And, like, and how much is this also just, like, a perpetuation of, like, mother issues, right? How many dudes are, like, my crazy mom or, like, you know? Yeah. And it's just getting projected at women. And, you know, I, again, I think it's extremely important. Like, I've been in situations where this has happened to me where I'm freaking the fuck out like I have a total and I'm pretty normally pretty rational and reasonable but sometimes I too get triggered and I freak out and like someone who messaged me said you know like I learned that like while I might want to be alone when I am upset I've learned that maybe my partner my woman partner doesn't and so it's my job to not like do what I would want to do but actually sit with her and treat her the way she wants to be treated and I thought that was a really interesting comment because I feel like there are times when the way I want to be treated, the way I, the way I want to be treated in that state is maybe not what's best for me. Mm. So how can we say, like, how can a man both show up in like a loving and supportive way and an understanding way? Not a dismissive laughing at like, let's wrestle. What the fuck? But be like, I see that you're upset right now. I honor that you're upset. I get that. But here's where I feel like maybe there are some holes here. Maybe we can engage rationally in this place. I'm not saying don't feel this way. I'm just saying, like, let's talk about the feelings. Yeah. And of course, that isn't, you know, if someone's like hysterically crying or something, like, yeah, maybe wait a little bit. <laughs> like, don't be like, let's talk about this intellectually now. But to just... See it as a thing that is, not a thing to explore, is what really bothers me. Right. Because if some if my partner just held me and comforted me and like accepted those things, I wouldn't like I wouldn't grow. And I again, grow. and again, there's a distinction between accepting the fact that women may experience or your woman, if we're talking to a man may experience her emotions differently than you do, may experience vulnerability in ways that seem unrecognizable to you from your own experience. I mean, there are differences, but you can accept that without accepting that she's incapable of growth, that she's incapable of learning, that she's not a mature uh, being. I mean, this whole thing about like, a feminine woman will tell you she loves you one minute and then tell you she hates you a, a minute later and you have no idea what you've even done. You just need to accept that that's the way it is. That's bullshit. Yeah. Now, you can say, hey, whoa, you're upset. I understand you're upset. You're emotionally more, um, you know, label, labile, I think is the medical term, like more variable, you know. Right. Um. But it's still not cool to ever no. say you hate me. Right. And if the woman legitimately, like, that's where she's at, like, I hate him. And I've heard women say this. Oh, yeah. And inverse, like, the guy hates me. Like, if, are, are we six? Like, right. are, is that really? And we're just going to be, oh, yeah, okay, cool. Like, that, we'll just, we're going to end there. Right. You just say those things because you're a woman. Like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. You're, this is a mature relationship between adults. You don't get to say you hate me because right. you're going to get your period. Like, what, what are you talking about? That gets back to the childhood parenting thing, too. It's yeah. just like, 
Yeah, and if a look, if a woman's like flailing around being like, I hate you, blah blah blah, certainly I assume that there's something more legitimate underneath that. But if we're not engaging there, if we're not if we're not pushing the woman to explore the I hate you emotion any farther, then I just don't understand what the fuck we're doing. Like then this is right. just like happy wife, happy life, you just wanna get laid. You don't actually give a shit about the relationship. This isn't about growing. This isn't about evolving. And it's not about, like, self-exploration for yourself. If you're just, like, done. To me, this is, like, two people come together and they're, like, not interested in continuing the self-awareness. Or in deepening their understanding of each other. Yeah. Right? It's, I, yeah, I think those it's it's a good. It's a guidebook for tolerating a bad relationship is essentially I what totally, it is. I totally, I wonder how, I mean, and I feel like reading some of the feedback we got too, like how many people were in shitty relationships with un, and an unevolved partner. And again, I think all of this stuff can be like, we can be talking about men or women at this point. It doesn't even matter. But like in a relationship that isn't working, the person can't get to your level, can't sit at the table with you, can't have a discussion. Or doesn't feel invited. Yeah. Because you're accepting the bullshit. Right. Right. You know? um, they, right. And then they read this book and they're like, oh, okay, this is, this is crazy. This is all bullshit. But I guess relationships are, are about accepting bullshit. So I'll stay in this bad relationship. Like, I feel like there must be a lot of people that fall into that boat. That it excuses the bullshit. Right. And by the way, the whole thing about I hate you, I, I had a thought while, while yeah. you were talking about that. You know, we, we talk about how the man, by um, dismissing the woman, is also dismissing a part of himself. Yeah. And I think a lot of this, like this woman saying, ah, I hate him, is a woman dismissing her own masculine energy. You don't hate him. You hate part of yourself that you're not facing 100%. you hate the fact that you know i mean i know we're thinking of someone that we know who says shit like that and it's like you're you're not engaging with the part of yourself that knows you should not talk this way that knows you should have more self-control that you know what i mean that element of like hey you're you don't get a free pass to just say whatever the hell you want yeah. And and there are no repercussions. That's that's not being a woman. No. That's being a child. And so you need to integrate a certain self-control which we might call a masculine energy if if that's the way we're breaking this down. But by externalizing it and yeah. and uh, you know blaming men for your your right. chaotic life, right. you're denying your own Right. responsibility. Right. And I think this can be easily flipped. Like how many women have experienced a guy who has an emotional freak out who like breaks the fuck down, which is often domestic abuse. Right. right. And slams the door, yells a bunch of names at the woman. You're a bitch or a whore or this or that. To me, this is the, that's the same thing. It might be expressed in a little bit more of like an mm. anger way because it's a guy, but to me, it's the same expression of completely, unexamined and unintegrated emotional content. Right. And so if the woman was just like, that's how he is, right? Like, what do we really, what would, what would, what would a woman really want to do would be to sit down with that person and be like, calm down. Let's talk about why you feel like this. Where is this coming from? Why are you upset? What led you to feel in this way? 
Like, why should this be any different? Like, men and women have these fits. Why should it be any different? Like, are we, women should just like, oh yeah, okay, he's an abusive asshole. That's just how he is. Like, uh, to me, this is, to me, this can be just, yeah, looked at in both directions. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, what else do you want to talk about? <laughs> well, I also sort of wanted to talk about, like, the erotic component to all of this. Um, Could, before we move on from, yeah. from dissing this book. Well, I mean, this, we're still going to be dissing oh, this book. Oh, oh, the erotic components of the book. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, just, okay. No, no, go but go say what you were going to say. Well, I was just going to say, and maybe this is a cheap shot. I, I don't know. Look, I've never met Daniel Deida. Dave, uh, David. If, David, sorry. Or, or his brother, Daniel. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm sure he... he he seems like a nice guy. I saw that video of him. And I don't mean this personally, you know, like, um, but I read the, the section at the back of the book about the author. And, and as an author, I see things, it bothers me. It fucking bothers me. So I'm just going to say this. You can cut it out if, if you want. Um, this is the, about the author uh, at the end of the book. It says, Acknowledged as one of the world's most insightful and provocative teachers of our time, best-selling author David Data continues to revolutionize the way that men and women grow spiritually and sexually. Now, one of the things you learn uh, in writing is not to use the passive voice. Because uh, it's mushy and weird and nobody knows. Like, you need to have a subject for your verb, right? Yeah. Generally. So... When I read a sentence like this, especially the first sentence about the author, the first word is acknowledged. And I want to know, by whom? Who acknowledges this guy as one of the world's premier spiritual teachers of our time? And to just throw that out there, it's just like, that's so fucking yeah. masturbatory. Yeah. Now, maybe he didn't write this. Maybe his publicist wrote it. But whoever wrote it. Is sucking his dick. It's full of shit. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, and then the next sentence, his teaching and writing on a radically practical spirituality for our time have been hailed as among the most original and authentic contributions to personal and spiritual growth currently available. Again, passive voice have been hailed by whom? Yeah. Who hailed that? <laughs> Who are the hailers? Yeah. Well, and I think this stuff is why I initially was not super interested in his books. Because it just seemed, like, very pretentious and very, like, this is the way. And I'm all into spiritual shit. I'm all into masculine and feminine. But, like, this seemed a little too, just, like, not something I wanted to be involved in in the first place. And um, it's so, it's just so pretentious. It's not humble at all. Oh, my God. It's the opposite of humble. Yeah. And, like, and then, you know, it's got other books by him. Enlightened sex. Enlightened sex. Like, oh, is enlightened, really? Uh, it's, yeah, uh, instant enlightenment. So he's yeah. got a book called Enlightened Sex and a book called Instant yeah, Enlightenment. That in and of itself is not cool. The Enlightened Sex Manual. I mean, this guy is so fucking enlightened. Yeah. He's acknowledged as one of the most enlightened <laughs> teachers in the world. Right. And hailed and as I think if you're like a super enlightened. Oh, an instant communicant. Oh no, intimate communion. Oh, sorry. 
Yeah, I just think yeah. it's one of those things where it's like if you're enlightened and awakened and like a shaman, you don't call yourself like instantly enlightened, <laughs> yeah. awakened shaman. Right. Like anybody that uses those words, it's just like, dude, get over yourself. Yeah. Instant enlightenment. That's that's got to yeah. be like the most ridiculous thing really ever. Disrespectful. Yeah. Um, Nine ninety nine. <laughs> get your instant enlightenment. Step right up. Right. Well, and also like. The books in and of themselves, which isn't, like, I I mean, like I said, I love those books by Robert Johnson. Like, I think there are great books like this. But anything that, and and I appreciate it maybe because it uses mythology. So it's like, we're telling a story. This isn't a book about advice. This is like, let's look at this situation in a sort of narrative way. It's not like, do this, do that. Here's the answer. Here's the answer. Like, relationships, masculine and feminine I mean, you could never write enough books and enough talk about this enough to where you could fully understand it. So these sort of like step one, two, three things are already like just it's not coming at it from the right place. Um, right. I agree that there is a place for these books and there yeah. uh, there's a obviously a hunger uh, for this sort of um, guidance. But by offering people instant enlightenment and claiming that you're acknowledged as one of the worlds. It's like when people say, you know, award-winning writer-director. Well, what awards? Like, what award did you win? You know, acknowledged as, by what, your mom acknowledged you as one of the great teachers? Like, it's a cheap marketing packaging thing that immediately sets off alarm bells for me. Yeah. Uh, You know, I could call myself an award-winning actor. Legit. I mean, I have won yeah. a major acting award. Yeah. It happens to have been for my best non-sex performance in a porn movie. Yeah. But I could go and like yeah. run around calling myself an award-winning actor. It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, and I think maybe like to quantify the point of all of this too is like I think in to me, I always I'm always like I read Jordan Peterson's book, like I'm always open and actually interested in reading books from people that I don't necessarily agree with. But I think it's like and because to me, I'm really into discernment. I'm into like figuring out what I think is true versus what someone else thinks is true. Or if like, you know, in this case for you, I think it was interesting because there's a lot of people that really like you and really liked this book. And so they can't fucking figure that out in their head because they've put you as this sort of like or both of you as the sort of like perfect guru idol person who I can just get all my advice from and, and, you know, listen to. And so what happens when someone you admire likes a book you don't like, or there's a book you don't like and someone who you admire likes it. Like what that that's, I love that. That's amazing. Because then it like, you have to get farther into what is your belief? Why do you like this? Why don't you like this? Are you just liking this book? Cause you're, favorite podcaster liked it or because you actually got something out of it. I keep hitting the microphone. So many arm gestures. Um, so yeah, I think uh, taking the whole book like that, like, and reading those passages, which isn't to say you can't still get something out of books when you don't totally agree with all of it. Oh, sure. But I do think that <laughs> reading the biography or like the way, and why does the guy have like 50 books? Right. And like cassette tapes. Right. There's there's some very commercial <laughs> yeah, interest it's like how, there. Like can't you didn't you say this already? Why do you need to write another book about it? Because um, people will buy it. Right. Well, okay, so let's talk about because I do think this was one of the pieces that deserved a much more nuanced discussion in the book and I think relates to like er- the erotic energy flow in a relationship a bit, which is 
this thing about women testing men. Oh, um, right. right. That's a big theme. Yeah. And I, and I think like when we first talked about it and when you first recorded the podcast, it was sort of like that if a woman keeps testing you like that, like that's ridiculous. That's bullshit. Well, explain you. what you mean. Like, what does he say about that? Um, I forget what he says about it, but what I recall is that he said something like, or do you remember? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, basically what he says is that women will, your woman will constantly test you mm-hmm. and attempt to undermine you um, because right. she needs to experience your refusal to be undermined and your, you know, daily um, sort of uh, self-control and ability to avoid the traps that she sets for you. So he says, he tells a story about this guy who always wanted to, um, you know, earn a million dollars or have a million dollars or something around a million dollars. And then one day at work, you know, he realizes like, I did it. I've got a million dollars. And he goes home and he's super excited and he says to his wife, honey, you know, you know, I've always wanted to have a million dollars. And I today I did it. I got a million dollars and oh, everything's so great. And she's like, did you pick up the milk I told you to pick up on the way home? And he's like, um, no, I forgot. But I, I got a million dollars. We have a million dollars, baby. And she's like, I don't care. Go get the milk. And so Data is, is like. She doesn't give a damn about your success. She wants to see that that you are. She wants to see that she can control him. Like that's what this <laughs> that's is. What that, that's is. what's going on. Like this isn't the superior man. This is the pussy whipped man. <laughs> like that's what this is. <laughs> that's you should call this episode the way of the pussy whipped man. <laughs> Yeah, it's true, because his whole message is like, accept this bullshit. And then there's this other thing, you know, and you're talking about eroticism. There's a similar story where, and and the writing is so cringingly bad. But he's telling this story about how, like, a woman and a man are having sex, and she's like, you know... I want you to give me your seed. And he's like, Oh, you want my seed? Oh my God. But, and she's, and there's this whole thing about the seed and then like, okay, he comes and then she's all disappointed right? because she didn't really want your seed. She wanted you. And also it's not seed. I mean, it's so weird. Anyway, she wants you to, um, refuse her. She wanted you to say no. She wanted you to be... Which might be legitimate, but, like, fuck that <laughs> bitch. I mean... <laughs> crazy shit. I and, mean, and then the, the slurping tilt of the pelvis. like We're uh, still debating what that actually means. You think it's, like, a wet pussy. I think it's just, like, a, a like, like a swirly movement that's, like, slurpy in nature. Like, like that. Like... No. Slurp is sound. I mean, you can't slurp silently. It's like so gross. The silent slurp. That's like too wet of a pussy. That's a pretty wet pussy. If you can hear it across the room, when she just changes positions, it's like, whoa there, baby. Um, yeah. Well, okay. So like, so that I wanted to talk about because to me, he's getting it all wrong. Like, I do think, okay, let's start somewhere. I think that, yes women do test men in this capacity. And I think that needs to be acknowledged because I don't want any men 
listening to this episode to be like, but women do that all the time. What are you talking about? So I agree. And I've done this. I, it's mostly subconscious though. This is not a conscious thing, but I think I have tested men to the point where it's like, how easily are you manipulated? Because if I can manipulate you, then other women can manipulate you. And at the end of the Mm. day, I'd prefer that not to happen. So, right. So all of this stuff about like, can you actually control your ejaculation? Like, do you have control over your desires? Like, are you going, if some woman says, come here, I want to suck your dick. Are you just going to be like, you know, and just like moth to the flame kind of shit. Um, and that's, that's in a sexual context, but I think this can exist in other contexts as well. Like, you know, how, how, like I would, you know, I was, I feel like I was raised in a way that I had to become extremely creative and innovative and smart and strategic and manipulative to get what I wanted because I was dealing with like an irrational parent. So I feel like I've come up with all, I came up with, just because I had to, all sorts of ways to, like, express something in such a way to get what it was I wanted. And I'm really good at that. Like, I, I, I had to be, and I continue to be. Eventually, I realized, like, what was going on. So I think, like, yeah, on, on many levels, when you want something to happen in a certain way, when you want to feel in control of a situation, when you want your point to come across... You do whatever you have to do to express it in such a way that the other person's going to, like, agree with you, say yes, come onto your level, whatever. And I would realize this with men, too, in seducing men. It was like, oh, this is not hard. Like, I know all the right things to say, whether that's being extremely present or not present, like, being extremely agreeable or not agreeable. It's like, I just knew which, like, path to take at any given point. Um, And I think a lot of women and men know how to do this or could know how to do this. And so a lot of that's like, you know, if I, if I'm saying all the right things, but I'm lying, I'm sort of being false about it, then someone else could do the same to you. And I don't feel like protected in that sense. I don't feel like you, if you can't call me on my bullshit, how can you call anyone else on their bullshit? I saw a thing yesterday on Instagram and it was, uh, I don't know if it was overheard in Beverly Hills or something. Yeah. And, and it was like the man says, um, baby, you've been spending a lot of money recently. I just saw the credit card bill or something. And her response was, it sounds to me like you have an income problem. And I thought like, oh, that, that sums it up, right? It's like yeah. either either this is a really like not cool woman who sees him as a source of money and you know there's no real love or respect there or she's testing him because she wants to see like can this guy control can he be trusted with money or are we gonna end up broke one day Or because like let's talk about this because what does she want she wants to keep spending money so she's flipping the card around but does she or does she okay that's my point okay okay go ahead right so i think on a certain level If you just ask a woman outright, like, do you really want this? Is this really what you want? She she might say yes. But I actually don't think that's true. (laughs) So women are liars. Um, I think, okay, and coming from, like, a very capitalist patriarchal society, I think women are constantly grappling for control. Because control, control in and of itself, I think, is a very masculine quality. And something that I think our culture and society values. 
is being on top of things, being in control, taking what you want, doing, buying, consuming. It's all this kind of like, I see what's coming and I'm managing it. So it's from a capitalist standpoint, but I think also just from like a safety standpoint, like it is not safe for women in our culture to be vulnerable and to relinquish control and to just be totally open. Like they're going to be raped and pillaged and abused and all this crap. So women have figured out that the way to not be raped and pillaged and to not be um, treated poorly is to be in control of one's life, to be like, I make the decisions, you know, happy wife, happy life. You know, I'm, I'm maybe I'm going to let the man think he's making all the calls, but really I'm in control of this relationship. I mean, didn't we go to some screening ones where like a question was posed of like, who's, who, who makes the final decision or like who's in control in your relationship? Who's the right? Do you remember this? Um, and I just thought the whole question was super crazy, but it was all like socially acceptable for the woman to be like, I call the shots. Like this is my household. Right. And I think all women think that they want that, that they want to be in control. They want to be the manager of the household. All women is a big phrase. Okay. But I think a, a lot of women <clears throat> in seeking empowerment or in seeking, legitimacy like yeah they want to they want to be the one that makes the call at the end of the day i think all women want to be safe yeah well but and that uh, right and i feel like that's how we see safe it's like i know at the end of the day i'm gonna be the one that decides whether we move to texas or not not the man they don't you think that there are women who prefer to be in a situation where at the end of the day, he's going to decide whether we move to Texas, but I really trust his judgment. But I guess this is my, this is my point here. Or we're going to decide together. Right. But I, that's my point. So I'm saying like, I think the woman who hasn't totally um, looked at this stuff and hasn't thought about it and hasn't talked about it and hasn't examined it, hasn't looked at her mother's relationship and your her grandmother's relationship and how women have been treated throughout centuries. Like there's just an, a lack of understanding or acknowledgement or um, they just don't see all the different components here. So I agree. I think at the end of the day, actually <laughs> what a woman wants might be for the guy to make the call and that she trusts him enough to make the right one. But we're, I think we're very, very, very far from that point. Like, I mean, think think about it. If we think about the same issue, but like metaphorically, yeah. like who drives? Right. Almost in almost all relationships that I've seen between men and women, the man drives. But I remember we we were with someone. I forget who it was, but I remember uh, saying, asking the the women in the car, um, what was it? It was like, would it be harder for you to be in a relationship with a man who was yeah, maybe it was like oh, shorter right. than you. Oh no, no, no! Or, you said it was about driving. You said, but, well, that was yeah. the, that was one of the questions. Oh. So I was trying to figure out how important a man being a good driver is to a woman, right. and I was comparing it to like you know, sexually wasn't good, or right. you know, too yeah, you gave us an option. You were like, you'd rather be this guy or this guy, right? And like the thing that was the the biggest buzzkill for the women. Was a guy who's not a good driver. Or like an aggressive driver. That was what you actually uh, said. Right, I think you right. said something. Would you rather be with someone who was a good driver but got road rage? 
or a bad driver, but who is just inexperienced or something. And I think we picked the inexperienced bad driver. Right. <laughs> because he could get better. <laughs> because yeah, he could get better. And because the 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 road ragey guy was clearly out of control. It can could not be trusted. Like it wasn't just like he needed some skills. Right. It was like you're right. you're unevolved and unaware of right. your inside world. Um but I guess so the point here is that like what I think I think David Dida is picking up on this point that women want the guy to drive. And not only want the guy to drive, but I actually think it's more erotic when the guy is driving for a lot of them. If he's a good driver. If he's a good driver. Right. So I think what he's... Tr- he I feel like this book is trying to create that dynamic. The guy who's sort of like unaffected and like, oh, yes, honey, you're being, you're being crazy right now, but like, I'm really in control and blah, blah, blah. But to me, his strategy and his advice is not doing that. It's actually showing the woman that she's in control. It's showing the woman that her emotional outbursts can get the guy's attention, can change the way he behaves. She can control him through her crazy feminine outburst because he's just going to be calm and he's going to stay there and he's going to and so it's like, it's nuanced, but I can sort of understand how he got to that point. Like, okay, if we want the, the masculine man to like be dominant and to be in control, that this is the way we get there. I just don't actually think that's what's happening here. I think this is creating a man who is um, placating to the woman, dealing with her, not, you know, if, if your partner, like, fine, at the beginning of the relationship, she tests you here and there. She's trying to see who you are and how strong you are and how smart you are and all of that. Okay, fine, to some extent. As long as you're holding your ground and you're saying when you feel hurt and when you don't feel hurt by her questioning or her pushing. But at a certain point, if she continues to do that, like, dude, that chick doesn't respect you. Like, she doesn't take you at your word. And and how much time do you need to spend with this bitch to where she stop saying she hates you or doesn't trust you or like, and I've, you know, that's, that sucks because I've certainly been in situations where it was like hard for me to figure out. Like, I feel like I lived a long time where I, I didn't know myself at all. I didn't have any intuition. I didn't have any self-trust. I was completely lacking in any kind of like discerning qualities or skills. Going too I'm far. sure you're overstating. Okay, that. but like I was, it was pretty bad. Like, I was pretty unaware of my internal world, um, and so I I can see how it might take women a long time to to trust their partner based on their past experiences. But like at us, like something's got to give. And let's face it, you know, by and large, well, I would say almost all women have very good reasons not to trust right. men. Right. Which which sort of circles back to this whole question of like men not taking women seriously as human beings, but seeing yeah. them as sexual prey. Right? I mean there's right. there's a conversation to be had about, you know, the whole pickup world. Um yeah. there's I guess I see a parallel between the pickup world people negging and, you know, doing these tricks to try to, you know, convince women against their will that they should fuck them. Yeah. And this, which seems like another sort of book of tricks for making a a bad relationship seem 
palatable. To work, right. Right. And where and and where does this take us? Is the are these strategies outlined in this book? Is this making women more trusting of men? Is this allowing women to relinquish control and feel safe and um trust and just sort of like relax or is it making them continue these charades because they think that oh right okay so this is how i manage this relationship and stay on on board and for men is this actually making men feel more dominant or masculine or are they feeling like here's a series of stupid shitty things i have to manage in order to get laid and is that really a dominant position? Like, are you really in a dominant position if you're right. like, I've got to check six boxes of bullshit before I can have sex? I've never understood, and, and I don't want to insult anyone who's listening to this who may be in a relationship like this, but I've, I've been in a lot of relationships with women and I've never been in a relationship where I needed to convince the woman to be sexual. And with me, and I, and I can't imagine accepting those terms, you know, like this whole, you know, you have to have a date night and you have to, you know, the candles and you got to like buy her a gift and you know, Oh, you didn't get me anything for Valentine's day. Well, you're not getting laid for two months. Like, yeah. And how is this creating the dynamic you want? Right? Like this again, it's the pussy whipped fan. Like I've got to buy you dinner and chocolates and this and that. And I've got to behave in a certain way and say a certain thing and do a certain thing so that you fuck me. Right. Like, what the hell are we doing? That's not right. hot. If you don't want to fuck me, like, yeah. wh- why are we in a relationship? So this is not coming from a place. This is, this to me, this is like the scarcity mindset when it comes to relationships. Like, you have to, like, getting laid is so important. Having sex is so important that you need to deal with all this crazy bullshit right. and, and it, convince people and maneuver yeah. and manipulate and strategize. That's not right. That's and it's not... still seen as a gift a woman gives a man, which right. I, I, re- I reject that. Right. You know, from the beginning, right. you know, I was thinking when you're talking that it's kind of like if we keep going with this metaphor of the man driving, right, that the woman tests the man because she wants to see that he's a good driver. Like, OK, right. fair enough. Right. But once you see that and he gets behind the wheel, that he's a good driver, and he drives first, you fucking let him drive. Right. And if he drove for you for like eight hours on some road trip and he didn't take a break at all and you were like sitting up there without your shoes on the dash and whatever. And then at the end of the drive you insulted him or said you hated him or said you didn't trust him to drive. Right. Well, then you should break up with that bitch. And the other, I mean, as I was thinking about the metaphor, it's kind of like, okay, in, in Data's book, it's like, you know, you're the man, you, you're going to be driving. You, you have to have self-control. You have to know yourself. You have to find yeah. your purpose in life. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm down. I'm down. That's all true. But then it's like, and the woman sits in the back seat. Because she's just a crazy, emotional woman. You can't have her up in the front seat. Okay, so it's like, all right, I don't like that. I don't agree with that. But he's got the woman in the backseat. And then the woman is telling you, go faster, slow down. You know, oh, watch out. There's a a stop (laughs) sign up ahead. So now you've got the woman as the backseat driver. And he's saying that the man should tolerate that. Yes, agreed. And it's like, no, A, the woman doesn't need to go to the backseat. And B, you don't need to put up with all this backseat driving. Have her come up in the front seat with you and let her relax. And if she's like doing all that stuff, you got to tell her like, hey, babe, you want me to drive? You got to let me drive. And if you don't, 
If you don't like the way I drive, okay, yeah. like get out of the car, you know? <laughs> this reminds me too of like a, a quote that I really like that's like hard choices, easy life, easy choices, hard life. Like to me, if you really want to evolve and you really want to have a good relationship and you really want to be aligned, like people think all of that means there's no conflict, that it's just like everything's flowing. And I totally wholeheartedly disagree. I think that it's harder. Like the woman doesn't want, like the woman is protecting, let's just say, her life. Like, she's protecting her life. <laughs> she wants to stay alive, and she doesn't want to be raped or killed or betrayed or taken advantage of. So she's holding on super, super, super tightly. And while that's difficult, it's so normal and so what she's been doing for so long that it becomes easy. Like, it becomes second nature just becomes like okay well that's how I survive like I have to do these sets of things to me those are the easier choices but I think like if you actually want to grow and you actually want to let go of that you have to engage in some really hard difficult vulnerable decisions and actions that feel extremely uncomfortable like you are going against that self-protection mm. but I think if you do that then, you know, whether you call it easy life, more fulfilled life, more enlightened, aligned life, whatever, like, those things are really hard. I don't want to do them either, but I want to be in a long-term relationship. I want to have a long-term partnership where, like, I feel safe and where I can let the other person drive and I can, like, be in my own spiritual zone and do my, like, wooey female shit and, like, trust that the person is going to take care of his side of it. Like, I totally subscribe to the fact that I think polarity needs to, in some way, exist in healthy relationships. Otherwise, things get all jumbled and confused. Um, but but that doesn't mean, like, you have to, you know, and for the man, too. Like, that guy has to be willing to engage in, in ways that he also feels uncomfortable. Like, sometimes the woman might be right, dude. Like, maybe you're being a dick, or, like, maybe you should sit down and actually listen to what she says, not just chalk up her feelings as some sort of irrational falsity. Um, like, to me, this is, like, if you don't want to grow, do this. Like, I really think that's where I disagree. Like, yeah. and that's fine. I don't even disagree. Like, that's where I just don't want to subscribe to this. If you want to be in a relationship where you're not growing as the man... Do this. Be in an unevolved relationship where both of you guys just kind of deal and cope. Yeah. Um, but that's yeah. not what I want. <laughs> there, there's a book I read a long time ago called by a linguist named Deborah Tannen, I think her name was. This book probably came out 20 years ago or more, called You Just Don't Understand. And it was a study of male and female communication styles. And... It's a good title. Yeah, and, and it was, you know, unlike this book, I felt like it really did illuminate things that are useful. And I remember right. one of the examples was um, that men, our communication style tends to be about sharing information. Mm. And so... Mansplaining. Yeah. <laughs> we mansplain. And... But for us, there's nothing dismissive about it. It's like, so, so the example she gave was like, um, 
you know, two men are talking and one man says, you know, something at work is going on. It really pisses me off. My boss, like, said something that made me uncomfortable or, you know, whatever. And then the other man might be like, well, you know, have you tried, you know, talking to him or, you know, maybe, you know, if you go to HR or maybe, you know, what about this? If you try. So the conversation is like, let's try to solve this problem together. Yeah. And then if a woman comes to the man, like her, his wife or whomever comes and says, you know, she's having this problem at the office and he like starts doing that, like, well, have you tried this? What about that? She gets all pissed off. Right. Because she's not trying to solve the problem with him. She wants to share the problem yeah. and have him. So his appropriate response is not, have you tried this or that? His, the appropriate response from her perspective is more like knowledge. That must yeah. suck. Oh, right. I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. So you must be really tired at the end of the day. It's all about acknowledging her experience rather than trying to resolve it. So I see something like that. It's like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. I see that. Yeah. I think that definitely has a time and a place. I mean, certainly like I remember when I used to work at jobs and like my boss was so crazy and everything was nuts and it was like there was no solution. You know, my boss was like a psycho narcissist. You can't rationalize my I couldn't rationalize my way out of this. It was um, just crazy making. And I, you know, I would often go home to my husband and like at the time and like talk about this shit. And he would sit, he would do that same thing. Like, well, have you tried? And it's like, dude, shut up. Like, <laughs> just let me vent, please. Um, and I think that's. I think we all probably have those experiences, whether we're a man or a woman. Like, we just want to be like, God damn it, blah, 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 blah. Just, like, have your moment. That's fine. Um, and I think even some of these emotional fits that we're talking about, like, to some extent, yeah, you do need to, like, have your moment. And especially if you're triggered, rationality is not really going to factor into that. But you need, like... If you're if if you're engaged in these triggered outbursts on a regular basis, I mean, not only should you want to delve deeper into that and then engage the rational questioning, like go to fucking therapy for God's sake, or you know, certainly your partner should be questioning that and asking about it and you know, this is very it's the same thing as the whole millennial like I'm triggered so I'm going to leave the room. Like that's not useful. Like, yes, your feelings are valid, but this is a kindergarten, that's a kindergarten level. <laughs> like, it's like the Me Too thing, and I always get in trouble for this, because I think, yes, of course, sexual abuse is bad. Like, we should be talking about this. Women should be listened to when they're actually abused. But that's just step one. There's many levels of this. The mm. other level is that, no, just because women are abused doesn't mean that women don't lie about being abused. It doesn't mean that men shouldn't be engaged in the discussion and also given a voice. Like, have your goddamn moment, but only if it brings you to the next step or the next right. stage. Like, this is a very one-level, one-note, overly simplified thing, and he acts as if that's it. And to me, there's, like, six other steps. Like, dude, you didn't yeah. get to any of those. Because in a way, what he's saying is a relationship is... I don't know. I, I don't know if this is accurate, but it seems like what he's saying is a relationship should be like a safe space. Which it should be. As a first step. As a first step, right. Right. But a, but a relationship should also be a place of growth and a place of and growth is not about stasis no. or safety, safety in a way. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, you it need is. It. You need that like 
that overall context, the safe context, I think, in order well, there, to Well, there needs to be trust. Yeah. I mean, and this gets into something that I talk about a lot on my podcast, This that if you are in a relationship, but you're not being honest as much as you can about who you are, then you're actually not in a relationship. Because that person who says they love you, they don't love you because they don't know you because you haven't shown them who you actually yeah. are. And so you're not like letting them consent to what's actually going on. Right. Yeah. So they're having a relationship with this role that you're playing. Right. And then you get down the road, you mature as a person because right. we all kind of do in some ways, whether we want to or not. And you get to a place, I mean, this is the classic midlife crisis where you get to a place and you're like, oh, Nobody loves me because nobody knows me. I haven't allowed them to love me. And I can't spend the rest of my life not being myself. Right. And therefore, all these relationships that I'm in, this marriage I'm in, is false. Yeah. And I need to get out. Right. And you end up hurting lots of people and fucking up your life. So the point is that... A relationship is only a safe space if you are willing to withstand or face the danger of being yourself in that relationship. Well, and the danger of changing the story for you and the changing the pattern for yourself, right? Like that woman who's like, I hate you, blah, 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 blah. Maybe she had a crazy, abusive dad who she hates and who treated her like shit. But she and doesn't so, want to think about that. But she doesn't that. want to think about it. Right. So now she's just put you in that role. So right. she's consist she's repeating the pattern. She's not evolving at all. She's not recognizing that she's projecting her former experience onto you, right? So you think you're in a relationship and what you're really in is you're just like a stand-in abusive dad that's perpetuating the story for her, right. which you did not consent to. Like, right. And if you don't you... want because if you love her, that's you don't want to continue that story. Right. You, you know? want her to grow, and it's fine for the woman to be like, "Hey, you trigger these things for me," or like, you know, I think this is, needs to happen a lot in female relationships with other women. Like, I'm really threatened by you. I feel I feel like you have a hotter body. I feel like you're smarter. I feel really like insecure around you. Like those are all so legitimate. I can't even say how legitimate they are. But if we're not getting those out on the table and you keep them to yourself and pretend like everything's fine, then together as women, we're perpetuating this cycle of me making you feel like shit. And I don't want to make you, I want you to right. say it so I can tell you all the ways that you're awesome and that you shouldn't be threatened by me. And like, I want to help you crawl out of that mess, not perpetuate the mess. Right. And I think this is like, this is like perpetuating the mess. Right. Right. This book. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, I'm not the host. You're the host. I was <laughs> I was going to sum it up, but I think you should sum it up. I'm gonna, I was about to mansplain. Mansum. You could mansplain. That was a mansummation. Mansplaining is allowed on this podcast. I feel like this was more of a discussion than a uh, okay. than an I'm hosting. Yeah, it's. I mean, getting back to that that whole thing about uh, you know mansplaining. I I feel like given given the the differing communication styles of men and women, it's unfair that men get, you know, harassed or dismissed as mansplainers because that's how we 
Yeah. You know, I, like I've made the joke. It's, that's like, you know, giving women shit for being women nurturers. Yeah. You know, like, oh, she's just going to be nurturing. You right. know, like, oh, that's a woman. Right. I mean, and there what, is some room to acknowledge differences. Yeah. You know? And I think, again, like why I wanted to have this this discussion and have this discussion with men a lot is because, like, if we don't sit together at the table if women don't sit with men and be like, what is it that you're doing when you're explaining things? And they just make blanket assumptions of that's guy, that's, cat, you know, patriarchal, abusive man crap. Then, like, we're just not getting anywhere. We're just, we're just status quo. Like, we pretend as if, you know, I feel like we pretend as if we want there to be some, like, equality or understanding between the sexes. But I think that would require so much hard work and so much like regurgitating of inner trauma and fear that we're actually way more comfortable just sort of like perpetuating the exact same dynamic and like talking about it in a different way, but we're not actually changing anything. So you're saying that what we're talking about on a micro level with this particular book in a particular relationship is actually happening on a cultural level yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I said something on, uh, one of, I think the most recent horror report we did about sexual education. It's like, to me, the reason we have so much sexual abuse is because we've pushed sex into this cave kind of, we don't talk about it. We don't blah, blah. blah. And so, uh, but then when we're talking about the fact that we want to end rape culture and we want to end sexual abuse, we're still not bringing these things to the surface. We're not acknowledging sexuality. We're not acknowledging male desire. We're not acknowledging like how hot women are and the fact that young men can't fucking control themselves because that's how like adolescence and puberty manifests it manifests itself. I mean, they can control themselves, but also they don't know how and they feel like their desire is wrong. So they push it away and they don't masturbate and they like and then it blows up. Right. So it's all these like we're pretending we're solving the problem when I think really we're just perpetuating the problems because we're not actually talking about the real issue. Um, we're just sort of like, you know, pushing it farther and farther into the closet, which... Yeah, I've often said if we taught kids to drive the way we teach them about sex, it would consist of, all right, here are the keys, go figure it out, try not to hurt anybody. Yeah. And then we'd like, you know, like, why are there so many road deaths? Why are all these teenage kids smashing into each other? Like, gee, I wonder why. Right. So weird. Right. And then the solution is not to talk to them more about it, but to make them feel bad for the fact that they haven't figured it out. Right. And or put more cops out on the road right, to exactly. like, arrest them yeah, for it's driving. All, it's, it's all, all it's, like a, it's like a political circus. It's just like, y'all are not doing anything. You're just like running around pretending you're doing something. Yeah. Um, Very strange. Yes. Well, thank you for coming on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> is that what just happened? <laughs> Uh, how long have we been talking? Can you see? An hour and 14 oh, minutes. Flew right by. Yeah. All right. Well, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure as Thank well. Thank you. Until next time. Hello again. Thank you for sticking around and listening to that episode. If you would like to support the show and meet fellow listeners, head on over to patreon.com slash Anya Kotz. You will also get access to a video version of the com uh, conversation you heard today. Other than that, uh, if you'd like to join the Lunar Circle, please do. We would love to have you. 
anyacots.com slash lunar circle. Um, I'm going to play you out today with a song called Righteously by Anna Ash. It needs no introduction nor an explanation as to why I chose it for this episode. I've been super obsessed with this song lately, and I'm excited to share it with you. Until next time. Don't play no game, just play me John Cole.